Hello, everyone. This is Food Talk executive producer Rob Perra. Danny will be conducting interviews here every day, talking with experts on food and agriculture, and discussing topics like the impact of COVID-19 on the food system, unsung food heroes, how climate change continues to be a threat to agriculture, and other pressing social and environmental challenges that impact farmers, eaters, and the economy. On today's episode, Danny talks with Kathleen Finlay, president of the Glenwood Center for Regional Food and Farming. They discuss regional farming, community resilience, and the challenges COVID-19 poses to everyone in the supply chain, from farmers to restaurant workers. Enjoy the show. Today I get to talk to somebody I really admire, and um, I really, really admire and rarely get to see, um, and that's Kathleen Finlay, the president of the Glenwood Center for Regional Food and Farming. Uh, She started there in 2012, and under her leadership, Glenwood has become a premier learning hub for food and farming professionals. Um, and I love that they call them food and farming professionals, that they are professionals. Farmers are professionals. And I think that's such a great point. Um, previously, uh, she worked as the director of Harvard's Center for Health and the Global Environment. And she's a crusader for advancing women's leadership in food and agriculture. She's basically a rock star to me. And I'm so glad she could join us today. Thanks for being here. Before we start, I just really want to make sure that you and your family and all of your loved ones are doing okay. Like, this is such a crazy time. Yeah, crazy time. You too. Um, And it's a pleasure to talk with you, as always. I wish it were under brighter circumstances. Uh, Yeah, personally, so far, so good in terms of health. And everyone's just hunkering down and uh, doing our part to, to keep others safe and keep our loved ones safe. So, um, yeah, hard to hear some of the stories getting a little closer, especially in New York and our in our circle. But uh, kids and lovers are okay right now. I'm so glad. That makes me happy. Um, So I I kind of want you to break down, if you can, how this, you know, COVID-19, how this crisis is really impacting farmers in the Hudson Valley where you live and and work and really, you know, small farmers all over the nation. What are the biggest things that you're worried about for farmers right now? You know, certainly aside from just health and protocol and having to pivot and think about how to um, how to how to do one's work safely and keep others safe is a primary on everybody's mind sure. um, because farming is essential and we need a we need an awesome regional food supply. <laughs> um, Farmers are still working and they're still getting food to people, which also puts them at high risk in some ways. Um, so getting those protocols out there and getting everyone on the same page about how to do that safely has been part of the work that we've we've done here at Glenwood and part of the facilitation that we've uh, helped steward throughout the farmers in the Hudson Valley that we, we work with. Um, and, you know, I mean, farmers are a resilient bunch, as you know. Um, they're used to lots of unknowns. This is, un, you know, incredibly... Uh, bizarre and uncharted territory. Spirit, that can-do spirit, I'm seeing a lot everywhere and just in um, in abundance. And um, like, how do we do this? How do we, you know, just like up for it? Um, so, yeah. So, yeah. you know, there's a lot of challenges. Um, there's, I, I think there's some, there's 
positivity in that the um, the demand for local and regional food is it, from people, from individuals is really high. So while there's a, a complete drop in wholesale in terms of retail and restaurants that some of our farmers, you know, different farms have different models. Absolutely. So they're affected differently, but um, the direct sales channels are seeing more demand than, than they ever have, frankly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's been interesting. A, yeah. It's really been really interesting to watch. I just want to go back for a minute to sort of the health, uh, component of this. And, uh, you know, according to the latest agricultural census, you know, we, we have an older population of people who are farming there. Most of them are, are over 60, despite the, the growth in, in, in the young farmers movement. I mean, that makes them especially vulnerable to this, um, because of their age. And I, I'm, I mean, I, I don't even know if I can pose this as a question. It's just like, I have a real concern that we're going to lose, you know, a, a, a really knowledgeable uh, group of farmers who have done so much for the Hudson Valley, who've done so much, you know, across the country. It, it's, it saddens me, but I, I, they're, you know, they're putting their lives on the risk by, you know, bringing food to folks. And so I just, uh, I, I don't know if you can even respond to that, but it's something that worries me as we go through this. Yeah, one of the things we've been doing, um, we've been working with the local chapter of the National Young Farmers Coalition and organizing these weekly calls. And part there's lots of reasons we're doing that. But one of the things that, and there's a lot of beauty coming out of those interactions that I'm witnessing and observing, but w- one of it is figuring out how to work together so that if there are farmers at risk, they're not the one going to market and they're working with neighboring farms and they're the ones that are doing the runs to the city or doing, you know, staffing the pickups. And so there's some cooperation that's happening in the very tight community of regenerative sustainable farmers in the Hudson Valley. So I'm not that in touch with what's happening on the larger conventional farms in the Midwest, for example. Sure. I think in the in the communities outside of New York, those are, are also really tight in terms of the small scale farmers working together and protecting, you know, those farmers at risk. We one of our head farmers is um is a little bit older. She's awesome. She's incredibly wise and has a ton to teach our new generation, our new farmers Mm -hmm. that we train here at Glenwood. Um, And we're just making sure she's like being really safe. She's on the farm and she's at home. And most of our farmers here at Glenwood are living on site. Actually, all of them are. Um, That's fantastic. So we're able to do that. Yeah. As these stay, you know, at home or, you know, um, shelter at home recommendations stay in place, what do you think, you know, in, in the Hudson Valley, is that going to have a, a big impact on, on both planting and harvesting over the next several months or however long this lasts? Yeah, I think that farmers are really working with each other and working with resources like Glenwood to make sure that production levels stay as close to normal as possible. So, um, you know, we were really quick to put out protocols for farmers on on how to work safely and still be able to social distance on your farm. Um, And I think everyone is trying to prioritize the level of production. I think distribution is, is like changing daily. How do we get that food either to market or to people or what are some other options um, for, you know, making up for the wholesale accounts? Um, 
CSAs across the country are selling out, um, are sold out in, you know, record time. Um, farmers markets are dealing with more customers than they've ever seen. So, um, just what we're trying to do is help farmers meet those production levels as, as much as, as they can. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I know like part of your mission is really to, to mobilize information and, and really, you know, provide advocacy. How do you, how are you doing that online? You mentioned the calls with the national young farmers coalition, but having to do all of these zoom calls and, and everything else, how are you getting the information that farmers need and, and want and, and have to have out, at, you know, how are you getting to it to them at this time? Yeah. A lot of zoom. A lot of zoom. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also, a lot of phone calls and emails sure. and all the other methods that we always use. And I mean, these calls have been really great. Um, uh, putting resources. There's now websites that are acting as resources for, for farmers to be able to come and get information about, you know, loan opportunities that might be available for them right. to help financially um, protocols. Those are all you know, just a lot of sharing Um and we started a we started a coalition of farmers that use CSA as their main distribution channel, mm-hmm. um, Hudson Valley CSA Coalition. So that's been one of our primary ways to reach, you know, like a hundred farmers in the Hudson Valley in one Absolutely. go. They're all connected. Um, so getting getting the getting in touch with the farmers hasn't been that um, challenging. We also launched. A, we're creating these directories for um, for folks to. Did they kind of self-create Google Forms so that if they need help on their farm or if, unfortunately, someone gets sick and they need to share resources, there's a quick phone tree they can call. That's amazing. I love how we're going backward a little. It's so great, like, you know, going forward by going back and looking at those ways people used to communicate. Yeah. 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 And like I said, the community is really tight, so we can... um, we can get information out there pretty, pretty quickly. And, and it's just been so heartening to see the level of cooperation. Like I said, like, you know, we have some, some chefs that we worked with the the culinary community, as you know, has been just so hit by this crisis. And some of our friends are, you know, turned their kitchen into meal prep hubs um, that are Mm -hmm out-of-work restaurant workers. We're donating a lot of food to that. We're coordinating donating food to those efforts. Um, and some of those folks that aren't working right now are, are drivers for the farmers that we work with. They're drivers for us to get the food donations to where they need to go. So everyone's kind of chipping in. What can we do? And there's just a natural sort of way to check in and, and plug in. Well, well, Kathleen, I want to tell you something. I've been doing these, these, uh, you know, live casts, these podcasts about COVID-19 for more than three weeks now. And you have been <laughs> one of the most, uh, you know, sort of upbeat people. I, I just want to repeat some of the words that you, you spoke about. You used the word awesome, which I've, is my, I'm a big fan of the word awesome. You said beauty. You said sharing. You said cooperation. You said heartening. I mean, these is, this is making, I'm a little bit like emotional about it because I'm not hearing a lot of that right now. And so it's nice to know that like you're looking at this as a way 
for folks to share information, for folks to help one another. Sort of, again, going going forward by going back, farming communities in the United States, you know, they, they still do, but they're, you know, they've sort of been polarized between big and small, but knowing that these farmers are helping one another, that they're, you know, you're helping them create phone trees, that people are going, you know, to market for someone else to sell, you know, her crops or his crops. That's really amazing. I mean, it must be really, you know, you're getting a lot of satisfaction from this, I, I imagine, from living and, and being in that environment. Yeah, it's an, it's an amazing antidote to the reality of the situation. And um, I, you know, I do think that with anything like this, you know, any, I mean, this is on a level that one couldn't have possibly imagined, but right. um, there's going to be lessons and transformations. I have a friend that's even more positive than me who calls it a juicy time. This is a really juicy time. <laughs> I love that. Um, I love it too. I mean, it's hard for me to, to get quite there, but I, you know, she just really thinks that there's going to be some, some, some pretty large scale lessons learned. And, and certainly in the, you know, having, been at this work for a long time trying to convince people that eating food grown thoughtfully by people who care about the land and care about their communities um, is is healthier for us and healthier for the planet and that this is uh, this uh, kind of wake-up call to that reality is, yeah. is interesting um, and people understanding how um, how secure that food supply could be if on a regional scale rather than sort of a very homogenized industrial scale. So that there's, you know, I think there are some, the amount of people that are, you know, the amount of cooking people are doing, I think is, um, is also interesting. And people I hear, I'm hearing a lot of stories about people connecting with nature. So those are, there's just some positive things, but it's a hard time for sure. One of the things that I wanted to ask, you know, you about, you were talking about lessons and how this is a juicy time for for transformation. You know, I, I think, and you might have already said this, that there's a greater appreciation now for local and regional food systems that are, you know, not only supporting local economies, but are supporting the land that are regenerative in really every sense of the word. Do you see coming out of this? I mean, I, I've talked to a lot of people, as I said before, and they said that we will not be going back to the way things were. We cannot go back to business as usual. That would be a mistake. Is that something you agree with them? Yeah, about? I mean, that's something I hope for. Um, mm -hmm. in my most optimistic self would hope that we learn those, that, that there's wide scale adoption of healthier ways of, of, of being on the planet and having a robust regional food system is certainly something I've been working on for a long time and others have as well. Um, so I, I hope I really, I, I hold that as a hope that more people will understand how, how much healthier, how much more humane, how much more connected that is to get to get food that's thoughtfully grown on a regional scale. So how can we make that hope, your hope, and so many other people's hope a reality? Like, you know, starting now while the crisis is still going on, but certainly post-crisis, you know, whenever that is. How do we make, you know, the, 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 the policy environment, you know, amenable to, to investing in, in regional and local food systems? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think advocating for one topic that they're passionate about on, and advocating for that in, on any level of policy, local, state, national, um, 
And, um, you know, the other thing I was talking about is we've seen a lot of folks want to help in some way. Mm -hmm. And that is taking some different forms, but one of the ways people can help right now and plug in is to um, uh, donate to efforts that are buying food from farms, like the ones we work with that care a lot about their community. And then that goes to families in need because there's so many more families in need because of the economic aspects of this crisis. Absolutely. So we are doubling the food we donate to our local food pantries and to kitchens that I was talking about before. And then we're coordinating some region-wide efforts um, to coordinate, you know, a, a larger pool of um, of getting food to those who need it from farms who also need to um, be supported right now. So Absolutely. it's a it's a way to give um, to both of those efforts to families who who need healthy food and for those who grow it and produce it. Yeah, that's a really good idea. It's sort of a it's one of those win wins. So you're you're not only helping the farmer, but you're helping people who are in need, and and that's what's most needed at this time. Um, you know, you you've said that you know. Uh, policy, people should get passionate about what, you know, they're, they're most interested in. One of the things that has bothered me consistently before this crisis is that people are, you know, whether they're policymakers on the Hill or, or just a lot of regular folks haven't thought about food unless, you know, they hear about the, you know, snap on the news or legislators are thinking about the farm bill. How can we, how do you think this crisis will, will impact how we all think about food differently from now on and how we think about farmers and food workers and, and everyone sort of in the whole food supply chain. Yeah. I mean, I do think that there's going to be more awareness about the supply chain and where food comes from. And it's, and, and I, I do think the food, the, the supply chain of food isn't, isn't totally threatened right at this particular moment, even the conventional food supply system, but it's the it's like the first thing people worry about right it's mm-hmm. like what's you know how do I get how do I feed myself and I feed my family so um you know as much as we can advocate for regional food production that is respectful to the environment and really prioritizes human health you know I think that there's an opening to have those conversations in a more robust way than we have in, you know, than, the, than they've been paid attention to in the past. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I know our, um, our reps here in the Hudson Valley have been in touch with them throughout this crisis, our congressional representatives. Um, they're pretty progressive anyway, but they are um, cognizant that, you know, food is a, is a fundamental need that we have. And in a crisis like this, we need to make sure that we're doing everything we can to help those farmers. And, and there's um, some assistance that's coming down the pike for farmers, but not enough in my view. Um, I mean, I would say that normally, (laughs) like there's, we need to support the kind of farming that we promote here at Glenwood, you know, with real federal funds. Um, So, just having those conversations and making your representatives aware of those issues, I think is, is really important. Um, perhaps more important now than ever. 
Absolutely. And I think, you know, this idea of what you, you mentioned before of connecting food to other things, you know, connecting it to health, I, you know, a lot of people don't make that connection and connecting it to the, you know, the economy and, and the health of rural communities and, and urban ones as well. So there's a lot of connections and a lot of breaking down silos that I at least feel is happening right now because people are really focused. People who weren't focused on food before weren't that worried about it because they had a 24-hour supermarket or they could go through, you know, to whatever restaurant. They're they're worried about it now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's incredibly interesting. And like I said, people are cooking, you know. There's a lot right. of cooking and people are connecting through food and through recipes. I've gotten like 20 recipe chain mail things recently and um, you know, so I think that there is, you know, we're, we're home, we're, we're doing what we can. And those, that act of feeding oneself is more thoughtful right now. Um, yeah. so it's a good time to think about it. Yeah. 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 I talked to Karen Washington yesterday and she was saying the same thing about, you know, this cooking and the idea of sharing with your neighbors, things that, you know, might pass us by, you know, pre-COVID, we're, we're thinking about again, like helping helping out the folks in your community and, and just being more sort of proactive about connecting with people, even if you can't get close to them. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the first week that we were quarantined, I I deli- we changed to a delivery model for our meat CSA and orders. And I um, it was just such a pleasure to to give food to people and know that the food was beautiful and and raised with love and I mean, it was just such a wonderful act, and I'm cooking here for our little community at Glenwood. I'm cooking most weekends just to great. just to share, you know. And even if it's left on your doorstep, we can't break bread together right now. It's it's still connecting through that wonderful act of culture and earth and right. all of things, yeah. I was way too excited to see the woman who dropped off my CSA uh, package yesterday. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yay, you're here. And she's all suited up. And I'm like, hi, someone else to talk to besides my poor husband. <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it is this connection over food. Um, and it was, you know, it, it's nice. It's really wonderful. Um, you've been so inspiring throughout this, but I, I'm wondering before we end, you know, I've been asking most folks who've been on the show, who's inspiring you the most right now, or, or is there an organization that's inspiring you the most? Wow. That's a, it's a, it's a stiff competition. Actually. Sure. <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I'm watching, I get to see in real life my farmers. So I actually get to observe them on the farm and help help out on the farm. And um, yeah, I think they're my heroes and sheroes right now. They're working really, really hard and pivoting really quickly. And um, we, we have an apprentice program here at Glenwood where uh, new entry farmers come and spend about a year learning and working and living here. We've had to stagger their entrance and quarantine them and then add them. So it's been totally, and get to know each other over Zoom, you know, it's it's like completely different experience. Um, And they're so great. And just um, even amidst this crisis, they are more dedicated than ever to becoming, to to answering this calling to to be a a farmer and work in the- work in the in the fields and um 
yeah, so they've just, um, their dedication, their resilience, their attitude, their, um, their drive, it's, it's not dissimilar to, to what I'm seeing in the healthcare sector um, with a lot of my friends from, from that world just really showing up and um, doing amazing work for other humans. That's what farmers Absolutely. are doing. Absolutely. And being on the front lines, literally. Yeah. Those are, those are the most inspiring folks in the world, farmers and, and healthcare workers. I just, yeah, I'm totally inspired. Um, before we get cut off again, I want to make sure people know how to get more information. It's glenwood.org. Um, are there any other websites you want to give out where people can donate to folks in the Hudson Valley? Any other URLs yeah, you could share? you could start there. There's a food assistance fund on our site. Um, we're putting up resources every day for other things. So yeah, Glenwood.org is great. And if you need a if you need a, a CSA, Hudson Valley CSA.org is also really good to find a CSA near you in New York. And I think there's links to other parts of the country as well. Amazing, amazing. So again, Glenwood.org. Kathleen, thank you for inspiring you, me. This this week has been a little bit of a downer, so I needed to end it with somebody who I, I know would be inspiring. So thank you. <laughs> uh, a reminder that this episode will also appear on our podcast, Food Talk with Danny Nirenberg. And I hope you'll join me again on Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern time when I'll be in, uh, interviewing former uh, Secretary of Agriculture Dan Glickman. Thank you, everyone. Kathleen, stay well. Please. You too, Danny. (laughs) Thanks. So you too. Likewise. Keep doing the great work. Thanks so much. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to Food Talk with Danny Nirenberg. Please rate, review, subscribe, and share the podcast. Make sure to return to foodtank.com every day for original reporting and analysis on the most pressing issues impacting our food system.